Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, hey, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning. You're going to want to check them out. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. On today's episode, corrections and how to use them. It's a word a lot of people fear, but there is no reason to fear it. Let's have some understanding of it today. We're going to talk about how to properly implement corrections with your dog. Then we have an honest rant. Yeah, it's time. (laughs) You're just going to have to tune into that one. I'll give you the warning right now. Disclaimer. It's a rant. Get ready for it. Then we have our listener Q&A. We're actually not going to have the first pets today, but we'll be back with that segment next week. And of course, guys, if you have questions for our listener Q&A, keep them on coming at me. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you the answer to today's trivia question, or I actually have to give you the trivia question first before I can give you the answer, right? So today's question is going to be, what Beatles song written by Paul McCartney, was about his dog. Yes, what Beatles song written by Paul McCartney was about his dog? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, corrections and how to use them. I think a lot of people are afraid of the word corrections or punishment and you know you you can't be you just can't be because there's no reason to fear them there isn't you know people think that punishment means it's this harsh horrible physical ah thing and you know it's just not that's not actually what the definition of punishment is now it's very important that you understand definitions, right? Definitions of punishment, reinforcement. Uh, I've done many segments on this. So if you're unfamiliar with positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, punishment, what they mean, what the difference is, and maybe even if you think you know, got to go back and listen because you may not. <laughs> Look, as I always say when I when I start sessions with people, you got you to gotta forget everything you think you know about punish, punishment and reinforcement and kind of relearn it. I'll be honest. And we're going to try to maybe just gloss over some of these terms quickly. And the one we really got to focus on, obviously, today is the punishment side, the correction side. And guys, the definition of punishment is anything an animal works to avoid. Anything an animal works to avoid. Punishment is a universal concept, right? It doesn't matter if we have a dog, a cat, a bird, a person, a pig, an otter, uh, anything, I mean, really, again, any animal works on this principle of punishment is anything an animal works to avoid, okay? Again, the easiest example I always give is I drive down the street, I drive the speed limit because if I don't, I get a ticket. So therefore, I work to avoid getting a ticket by driving the speed limit. Well, if I work to avoid it, that fits the definition of punishment, right? So therefore, a ticket is a form of punishment to me because I work to avoid it, okay? So... That is, that is the essence of punishment. Look, if you have a dog who wants a treat and you don't give them the treat, by definition, that's punishment. The dog works to avoid not getting the treat. They want the treat, right? So just withholding food is a form of punishment. Think about little kids. It's the same thing. You, you threaten to take away dessert. Oh, I'm not going to give you dessert. Well, the, the threat of taking away dessert is the punishment because the kid works to avoid not getting dessert. They want the dessert. 
So that's a form of punishment. You know, it's fascinating about those, these is that they're not physical. They're not. So punishment doesn't have to be anything physical at the same time. Punishment can be something physical. Anybody who has siblings, <laughs> when y'all are growing up and you're little kids, you know what I'm talking about. There's punishment. Uh, you work to avoid getting beat up by your older siblings. <laughs> That's more of a physical punishment. And look, dogs do the same thing. Predators, siblings. If we think about it, when when predators grow up when they're little, and again, it's humans. We're kind of the same way because at the end of the day, we're a predator. Um, they, they actually practice the hunt by playing with their siblings. That's how they learn to survive. It's a survival mechanism, but they learn through playtime what works, what doesn't. And they get corrected by their siblings all the time, get physical nips and things like that. And so what I attempt to do as an animal behavior specialist when I'm working with dogs, I want to tap into those natural ways that they understand corrections. And so when we talk about corrections with dogs, the first thing we have to talk about is the collar because the collar is the most basic way that we can actually mimic the natural way that dogs correct each other through nips. That's the whole point of a collar, guys. Collars are actually meant to mimic a nip. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Why do you think the collar has to go around the neck? Obviously, it's a restraint. But the whole concept is to mimic a nip. This is why I don't like harnesses. Harnesses are not a natural way to guide and direct and more importantly, correct behavior with a dog. Okay, look, I'm here to dispel this whole like, oh, we can't give a collar correction to a dog. That, that's such a load of crap, guys. We've been doing it for so long, for thousands of years, successfully, right? Successfully, otherwise we wouldn't have kept using a collar uh, or a slip leash is really what we use for a long time. We wouldn't have used these tools if they didn't work. But for some reason, we live in the 21st century and we have to think we can make everything a thousand times better even when it's not, <laughs> because we can sell a million of them. Hmm. All right, so, you know, that's just it, guys. There's nothing wrong with giving. Why do you think stores still sell all these collars? Martingale collars, choke collars, even prong collars. Huh. Could it be because when used properly, they work? That's a head scratcher. Uh, <laughs> or is it? Uh, so, you know, that's the thing about collar corrections is they are necessary they are necessary and they are okay. Done properly, right? We always have to put that little, isn't that true for anything in life though, guys? I mean, really, isn't it? You know, there are things that can be, that can be used improperly and it's not okay. And then there are things and tools that can be used properly and are okay. Okay. So if you use a tool in the wrong way, yeah, maybe you're not going to be, it's not going to be okay. So like prime example is a choke collar. First of all, I hate the word choke collar. Like I hate the word choke in front of the collar. Uh, because again, if used properly and that's where the, that's where the misunderstanding comes in. That's where the, the ignorance comes in on the tool. We hear oh, choke collar. Oh, that collar is used to choke out a dog. No, in fact, used properly, you should never, ever, ever pull and hold in one of those collars, okay? You just should, you shouldn't be using that as a, why, what, who the hell's, ugh, like, ah, logic and reason out the door. We use our emotions, we hear the word choke collar, and automatically it's this, oh, it's this horrible, evil, awful thing. No, the whole purpose of a choke collar is to be used in a way that you actually mimic the nip, snap pop corrections is what we're supposed to do in and out really quick. 
Okay, it's no different when we use the martingale collars too. Martingale collars are just a little bit less of an intense version of the choke collar. For those of you unfamiliar with the martingale collar, you know, I talk about that a lot as if maybe you should know it. A lot of people aren't familiar with them, but it's spelled M-A-R-T-I-N-G-A-L-E. Martingale, exactly what it sounds like. Three-fourths nylon, one-fourth chain. Those are my favorite kinds, not the all cloth. You want to get the three-fourths nylon, one-quarter chain. Um, or maybe it's two-thirds. Yeah, it's probably more like two-thirds nylon, one-third chain, but hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the point is they're a great collar, and for vast majority of the dogs, that's the collar I recommend. I do sometimes use choke collars. I do sometimes, on a more rare occasion, use prong collars. Guys, with these tools, when they're used properly, there is absolutely nothing wrong with them. Now, is that to say we should put a prong collar on a Shih Tzu? No, right? used properly. Um, that's the thing with these tools. You have to have that understanding of we don't need to put overkill on, a, on you know, uh, do too much. I always try to start with the most minimal amount of force possible and go up from there. Okay, but I'm here to tell you there's nothing wrong with making collar corrections if they're done correctly. The whole point of these collars is to mimic the natural way dogs grow. I, I don't understand why we wouldn't want to communicate with the dog in a natural way. This is why I don't use shot collars, for example. This is why I'm not a fan of shot collars. The biggest reason, more than anything, is it is not a natural and instinctual way for your dog to understand, hey, I've done something wrong. Hey, I shouldn't do that anymore. Why? Because I want to work to avoid it. Ah, there's the definition of punishment again. Uh, so, And shot collars is just not natural. I, I've seen... <sighs> I've, I, I, well, thank goodness I don't use them. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen from my experience, I'll be honest, I've seen others that a shot collar can actually make a dog more scared. I've seen it make a behavioral problem worse. It's not what we want. So why take that risk? Use a better tool and understand how to use the tool and then you're okay. Now, look, when it comes to something like a prong collar, guys, please get with a professional. Make sure you understand exactly how to use that tool uh, properly, because obviously, right in the wrong way, be, you know, be mindful of that, all right? So we can talk about the collar corrections. We can also talk about touch corrections. I do use touch corrections. I use my fingers and I mimic a nip. Now that touch correction can be used right around the same area as the collar, uh, right on the side of the neck, not on the throat, right? We don't want to do that. It's more like a shoulder, almost in the side shoulder neck area. I make a little nip correction, okay? Can also do it on their hinds, right on the back side of their hind legs, right on like the hip. That's where dogs, if you watch, look, guys, all it takes is observation. Observe dogs in the way they play, communicate, interact with each other, and you'll notice the nips come in those areas, the neck and the hinds. That's where they go to correct each other, play with each other, because it's a natural instinctual way for the hunt. Uh, it's, it, it all comes, it's all full circle, man. The predators are wired like predators. And the more you communicate with them in that way, the better they're going to understand. And part of that communication is corrections. Look, I am grateful every day that my parents disciplined me. I am grateful every damn day that my parents provided discipline rules and boundaries. And of course, they have also provided love and affection. But it was that balance, right? And that's the point with the corrections. Uh, I, I, I've got, you know, I've had in the past where people just, they just start yanking the hell out of the dog. And I'm like, dude, the dog's not doing anything wrong. Stop yanking him. Like, dude, what, are you, what are you doing? You know, you have to understand how to use these corrections properly. Um, and the collars properly. Otherwise, the tool's not going to work so well for you. Um, so with that said, I, you know, look, I, I'm not a big fan of the nylon collars to make corrections. Because nylon collars tend to just, you know, they, they tighten to one specific uh, adjustment, 
And when you pull on them, they tend to just kind of go around the neck. You know, they don't, they don't actually like make this snap little nip correction. They just kind of jiggle around on the neck. You can make a snap correction with a nylon collar if you have good technique, but let's be real guys. Not everybody's a dog trainer. Not everybody does that for a living. So, you know, they're not going to have perfect technique. And that's why I prefer collars that are going to make it easier, easier to make these corrections. Okay. And again, Nothing wrong with these corrections, guys. Absolutely nothing wrong. You'll find the more you use these corrections, the better your dog will behave. What, David? Say it ain't so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, discipline, rules, boundaries, structure, corrections are a vital part of your training success. And without those corrections, you're never going to get... Look, I'll tell you, years ago, um, another behavior specialist and I, and I we did an experiment. We said, let's attempt, let's attempt to just try to only redirect behavior, redirect behavior. So we'll just try to redirect focus and redirect and not really use any collar corrections. If we can, we'll just try to use light redirections. We use, utilize our turns and we tried it for a month with our clients, guys. And we didn't get very far. I'll be honest. Yeah, we got these. Sure. So yeah, some success. But you want that real success with your dog? You want to you wanna really turn their behavior around? You have to have structure, rules, boundaries, discipline, and corrections. You also have to have the reinforcement. Now, there's the other side of it. Okay, I don't want to focus. Obviously, the segment is about corrections today. But I have to make the point. It has to be noted. It has to be said. Don't forget the reinforcement, right? Don't forget to reinforce good behaviors. Now, again, we're not diving into... Re Reinforcement's not just a treat, guys. It's not just a treat. It's also just even releasing the collar, the tension on the collar. Like I said, we're not diving into that. You want to learn more about that? Go check out my segments on Psychology 101, Positive Reinforcement, Negative Reinforcement, Punishment. Lots of good segments that you can uh, learn more about that because it's very important information. All right? But I, it has to be said, you also have to reinforce and strengthen behaviors you like. Okay? I sort of look at it, uh, you know, the simplest way to see it is that it's a fraction. We have to have positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment to make the whole, to make the behavior whole. People are people get pretty good at, I mean, look at it, we're, we're all really good at pointing out the bad stuff, aren't we? <laughs> with our children, with each other, at work, with our dogs. We're really good at going, ah, don't do that. <laughs> but we forget to say, hey, now you're doing the good thing. Now you're doing the thing I like. Keep doing that. Good job. Good boy. Good girl. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Don't forget to tell your dogs once they're doing the right thing, keep doing that. That's the only way to strengthen behavior. That's the only way to ensure that your dog is going to be more likely to want to repeat that desired behavior by reinforcing it. Okay. So while this segment is yes about corrections, how to use them, how to utilize our collars better, how to utilize some touch corrections, yes, don't forget to reinforce it once your dog stops doing the undesired behavior and starts repeating and doing the desired behavior. Okay. So keep that in mind. Uh, nothing wrong with some collar corrections, but of course, make sure you're reinforcing and strengthening desired behaviors as well. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. 
offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, an honest rant. So here comes the disclaimer, the warning. <laughs> it's honesty time. It's honesty time. So I'm going to give you the heads up. I'm about to be very blunt, very honest. And as usual, you may not like what I have to say. Some of you probably might love what I have to say just now. So, hey, here we go. <laughs> Dive with me down the rabbit hole, if you will. Um, so, look, most people are terrible dog owners. Oh, David, that's so mean. You're so judgmental. I'm so truthful and honest, and it's the truth. Yep, I know. It's the truth, guys. Most people are not the best dog owners. Again, you know, I, I talked about this many, many episodes back. I posed the question to you. Here's the proof, guys. Do most dogs listen to their owners? Are most dogs that you know anxious? Do most dogs that you know have some sort of problem, whether they eat things, jump on people, whine constantly, have severe separation anxiety, barks at other dogs, aggression, possessive issues? How many people do you know that have dogs that don't have majority of those issues? And you're going to tell me these dogs are just randomly like this? No, we all know it. It's the owners, isn't it? Hmm. Oh, David. Wow. Truthful. <laughs> Look, you know, I've been told by some of my fans out there that you really appreciate and love the honesty. And I'll be honest, no one's told me they don't. So, hmm. Interesting. Ah, <laughs> oh, guys, every... Just, just look outside and you will see poor dog ownership. Look to your neighbor and there's poor dog ownership. Look to your left, look to your right. It's out there everywhere, isn't it? Irresponsible, bad dog owner. Walk into any pet store and what does it tell you? When you see aisles, aisles in these stores dedicated to pet clothing, what does that tell you? When we have 5,000 different kinds of treats, but yet the training aisle is, there's not even a full aisle dedicated to training tools. Fascinating, isn't it? With the exception of pink studded collars and... <laughs> That's, that doesn't count. When you actually look at how many treat pouches and long leads and backpacks and how many choices there really are, it doesn't even fill an aisle. But they have an aisle of dog clothing. They have an aisle of every kind of dental chew and 18 to 20, well, Jesus, now they're like $30 a bag for, for, the, for the greenies. <laughs> it's just, it's insane. It's insane. So what we're all trying to do is we're trying to fill the void of, 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 of training with all of these products. Or we just don't care about the training and we're just dressing our dog ups because it's adorable. Bad dog owners. Stinks. Uh, so there's the truth of it, guys. And you know something? There's the, you know, I'll be very honest. I've, I've heard recently there's a rescue in my area that is 
medicating the dogs with anxiety meds. All of them. Like, we're not picking it. Let's, let's just cross the board, knock them out, you know? That'll do it. That'll take care of the anxiety. Here's my biggest gripe with this, guys. We medicate these dogs in the rescue. People come in. They see this mellow, docile dog. They adopt the dog. Dog is off the meds, and all of a sudden, someone gets bit because we're not seeing the real behaviors come through because we're masking them in chemicals and medication. Now, guys, as I've said before, I'm not anti-medication by any means, but I'm not a big fan of pumping dogs full of this crap. I'm just not. There's just no reason for it. There isn't, excuse me, no reason. There's very, 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 very few reasons that require medication like that, in my opinion. Because most of these things are behavioral. They're behavioral issues. And so throwing a medication at it just covers it. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix anything. So it just blows my mind that a rescue would pump dogs who don't, (laughs) probably don't even need it. They've got issues, of course, but work through them. How about we teach our staff and volunteers how to deal with these issues? How about we exercise the dogs more? How about we get these dogs on proper walk? How about we create mental stimulation for them? Nah, just pump them full of crap. That's the solution, isn't it? So if if, if a rescue can't be responsible dog owners, how in the hell can I expect dog owners to be good dog owners on the whole. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to talk about. You know, we, we sit here and we go, oh, dogs are fluffy. They're cute. This is all fun and games. And guys, I've said it before. A lot of these dogs are, are, are like loaded guns. Difference is you don't know when the trigger is necessarily going to pull. It's a, it's a, really, guys, dogs have a lot of potential. I mean, again, this is an honest rant. This is an honest segment today. Try to be honest with you all the time, but you know, I mean, come on, a little tact here and there. Today's tact is disappearing a bit. <laughs> okay? Because sometimes you need the truth just put in your face. Right there in your face. <laughs> so it, we have to treat dogs like what they are. They're dogs. They, they're, they're dogs. And pumping them full of meds and treating them like little fluffy things and little people and all, it's not going to really benefit the dog, is it? And not only that, it could really create some severe behavioral issues. And so the honesty is people don't do what they should for their dogs. Whether that be through exercise or discipline or, well, both, because exercise is a, is a part of the discipline. People aren't doing what they need to do for their dogs. And this is why we have issues. And this is why we have dogs return to the shelter all the time. It's not the dog. It's the people failing their dogs. You know, look, again, honesty time. Nemo. How many times do I talk about Captain Nemo? My dog, my blue tick coonhound. Handful and a half. A rescue who gave me a run for my money. He is finally settling in very nicely. He's, he's becoming such a wonderful dog. But guys, Rocky Road doesn't even begin to explain how we got to here. <laughs> okay. Climbed mountains mountains to get this dog where he is because it took a ton of time, a ton of discipline, a ton of patience, a ton of exercise. I had to do what was right by that dog. I just, you know, it's what we, what we had to do. Um, and it's not always easy, but I knew what I was getting into getting this dog. 
And there's another thought, you know, look, I, there's, I think the biggest thing of why people don't have success necessarily behaviorally with a dog is because they don't get the right dog for them. They get a dog who's too high energy and they're not high energy. They get a dog who's maybe bred for more of a specific task and they're not going to be giving a dog a specific task. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in more than anything is people don't get the right dogs for them. How about the doodles, guys? I'm going to rant on the doodles for a minute. Uh, the, the doodles are, are the biggest one. People see a dog that quote unquote doesn't shed and that's what they go for. They don't think about the fact that we're mixing a golden retriever and a poodle. Two of the most intelligent dog breeds, high energy. I had someone the other day tell me, well, it's a miniature, so. So? <laughs> it's a miniature, so therefore it's going to be calm and docile. Wow. I just, ugh. Where is logic anymore, guys? Where is is thinking things through before you go out and get a high-energy breed when you know damn well you're not going to be exercising this dog? Now, I could go off on the off-leash. We, we, that, that, I'll end it there with the doodles. We can move on to talking about off-leash work. Guys, it's getting to a point in my, in my area that I literally cannot take my dogs for a walk in public parks without coming across six, seven, eight, nine dogs off leash, out of control, not listening to their owners, interrupting everybody else around them. <sighs> Rant. <laughs> it's the truth, though. I, I'm getting so tired of this. I'm getting so tired of irresponsible dog ownership, and it affects everybody else. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's asinine. Like, I'm asking too much for you to put a put a leash on your dog. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm asking so much of you to, one, obey the law in the state of Florida, and two, have some level of control over your dog. I'm not even asking for perfection. Just leash your freaking dog up. Oh, my dog doesn't know a recall, so therefore I'm going to take the leash off, and it's going to, yeah, no, in a public park. It's not a dog park. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> That's that's the thing. What in the hell goes through these people's brains? That's what I want to know. I really just want to stop and ask these people. I have to know your thought process. Well, my dog has aggressive tendencies. He doesn't listen when I call him. I have no control over him, whether we have a leash on him or not. So let's go to a public park with a lot of people, children, other dogs, bicyclists, all kinds of crazy stimulation, and let's just pop the leash off because this is going to end well for us. Yeah. I just, I have to ask these people, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> it's mind-boggling, guys. Mind-boggling. Because I would never, I, I could never see myself, trainer or not, in any world of existence that I am the person that I am, taking a dog like that and going, well, screw everybody else. Cluck off the leash. Here we go. I just can't even imagine. I personally cannot comprehend that mentality and that level of thinking. Ugh. All right, all right, all right. I should stop ranting. It's enough. It's enough. Guys, the, the, the underlying theme here is people are bad at dog ownership for the most part. That's why I have a job, right? But it's also very frustrating and infuriating, especially when I hand these people the information on how to fix these problems and they just kind of take it and go, meh, meh. <laughs> Not really going to do it. Cool. 
Neither is your dog. <laughs> oh, why can't we be all be some responsible dog owners? I don't know either, but there's my rant for the day, my honest rant. Hope you enjoyed it. The answer to today's trivia question, what Beatles song written by Paul McCartney was about his dog? The answer is Martha, my dear. Yes, that was written about Paul McCartney's old English sheepdog, Martha. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Amber from Miramar, Florida. Amber says, why does my dog follow me around in the house everywhere? I would say about 80% of the time whenever I get up, he's going to follow. He'll come into the same room in me and then just lie down. Well, Amber, you know, the short answer is, is that, well, dogs are pack animals. They naturally want to be with their pack. And of course, you are their pack. Uh, so it's not it's not abnormal for a dog to want to follow you around. Now, you know, I think maybe even what you're getting at is, is there a line? Like, should he not want to follow me around? Is he obsessive? I think that's probably what you're, what you're trying to say. Yeah, you know, there is, there absolutely is a line. And I could see reason for concern, or at least, hey, you know, you're noticing something in a pattern about your dog's behavior, and you want to know if there's an issue with it. Um, you know, again, why does he, why do they particularly choose? Really, it comes down to the pack animal mentality. Can I ask him specifically, hey, why do you, you know, no. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, again, dogs really naturally want to be with each other. Now, 80% of the time tells me that's probably what it is. That's probably all it is. Now, if your dog 100% of the time, it literally can't leave your side ever, right? That's a problem. Or maybe they come into the room and they pace around a little bit before they lie down, or maybe they, they have to lie next to you and on you, or, then it's an issue. But what I'm hearing is your dog most of the time just kind of wants to be with you. He'll come into the same room and lie down 10 feet away from you and not have a problem. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Some dogs are more prone to do that than others. Uh, you know, look, I'll be honest, my old half live, half great Dane, most of the time, Penny was very content where she was. <laughs> the Great Dane side kicked in. She was a lazy girl sometimes and wanted to be a couch potato. And she wouldn't care where, where I am roaming around the house. She would stay there. However, my golden retriever, Colby, yeah, a lot of the times, not always, he'd get up and come lay in the same room as me. If I got up, you know, he'd, he'd learn also that I was getting up to go grab a drink of water and I'll be back and he wouldn't move. You know, there's they, they pick up on those things and those patterns. And again, naturally, he just kind of wants to hang out with me is what it was. Um, Riker now, my current one. Um, Riker wants to do it. Violet. Violet will follow me into the other room sometimes. Sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. Even Riker. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Coco, my chihuahua. Sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. Nemo, same thing. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. I like that. That's kind of the way it should be. You can see there's like some balance there. Sometimes they want to be with you. Sometimes they don't. Most of the time they don't care. As long, really when it comes down to it, as long as it's not obsessive, there's really nothing wrong with it. Why do they do it? Pack animals? Anything beyond that? Yeah, I can't tell you what their thought process is because I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> Next question. This comes from Steve from Newtown, Pennsylvania. Steve says, I have a Havanese that we brush, obviously, on a regular basis. Yeah, you definitely got to keep up with those, don't you? But he really doesn't like it. He'll sometimes actually bite at the brush. Now, it's not that intensive a bite. It's almost more like he's annoyed than trying to kill it. Um, but I would like him to stop. How can I do that? You know, good question. I've, I've come across this quite a few times when a dog is uh, doesn't like the brush for whatever reason. When you know, it, um, Treats, you know, treats are going to be your best friend. I would recommend leashing your dog up, 
Honestly, two person process to start with. I'd recommend having one person handle the leash and treats and the other person handle the brush. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna, you know, you're gonna leash them up and you're gonna hold onto that leash uh, and you wanna make sure it's short and you're pulling forward on it. Just a little bit, just a little bit of tension and then the person's gonna feed them treats and then you're going to try to brush on the backside or behind away from where their head is. And when they try to go and bite the brush, you're actually gonna have just that slight tension on the collar and not allow them to get to the brush. And then when they turn away from the brush, you're gonna reward it. Look, a little bit of it, I'll be honest, is distraction to start with. I need your dog to be distracted with the treats a little. Um, and then what they'll start to understand is the more that they let you, uh, you let, excuse me, your the more, more your dog lets you brush them, they get more food out of it. And so then it'll start reconditioning the behavior and they'll understand, oh, I just sit still and get fed, get brushed, pretty cool. A lot of times, I don't think the dogs even understand that brushing can feel good. They almost just, for whatever, we have this aversion to it at first and they, it grows into it and then they, you know, it, so it can kind of snowball quickly, but we can easily retrain that. And most dogs end up liking the brushing because, you know, again, it feels good. I mean, hey, even when I run a, a brush through my hair, right? Kind of feels nice sometimes. <laughs> so we can teach your dog to accept it by using the treats. But what you, again, what you want to do is leash them up, provide a little bit of that tension on the collars to pull them forward to not allow them to bite the brush. Um, and then use those, use the treats, use the food to try to reward, yeah, a little bit of redirect, a little bit of distraction um, away from the brush and again, reward once they accept it. Start slowly, you know, don't just brush, 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 brush. Start like one little brush with the treats and then stop, okay? Then maybe another little brush and then stop. Extend it slowly and build upon that pattern and take your time. You don't wanna like overwhelm it because that's just it. If your dog already has an aversion to it, <clears throat> excuse me, already has an aversion to it and, and then you just continue and continue and continue, it can just actually make them more agitated. But if you teach them to accept a little bit at a time treats, a little bit at a time treats and then a little more at a time treats, it's much easier for your dog to accept that because they realize it doesn't have to like stick around. They can just get a little bit, get the food, we're all good. Kind of, you know, so take it slowly, use the leash, use the treats, and you should be able to desensitize them to the brush pretty quick. That's gonna wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes every single Wednesday morning. And if you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.